If you'll make your way over to 1 Peter chapter 1, that would be helpful. Are you grateful that we have a Savior Amen. that is coming again? He's returning to take us out of this world. Amen. He has a place prepared for us who are but strangers and pilgrims in this life. This world is not our home. But that which he has laid up for us, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what he has in store for us. It's wonderful. Much better than anything that we can see, experience, or feel in this life. And for that I am most grateful. Now, standing before you to present the scriptures which we all love, we love the word of God. I love to hear it. I love to hear the various brothers share and speak their their, what they see, and it is wonderful how you can see the nuances and how God would describe himself through his word to each person. And I'm grateful for that. Now, I would just share with you that that which I'm about to preach is perhaps one of my most favorite doctrines in the scripture, if that can be possible, because we love it all, and no matter what is being preached, it almost becomes your favorite, doesn't it? But truly, the doctrine of strangers and pilgrims is perhaps my most favorite in the Bible of anything there. And I feel unequipped properly to explain it because it's so wonderful. It's so good. And at the expense of not mudding the waters and not trying to confuse you, because it's so wonderful. I could almost just read it out without any further explanation. But unfortunately, preaching is supposed to draw it out. So bear with me as I do just that this morning, or this afternoon now. Have you made your way to 1 Peter? All right, I'll read to you the first two verses. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, all those places in Turkey. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Now, we see here that our, the Apostle Peter excuse me, the word, didn't come, the word didn't come out of my mouth that I wanted to come out. The Apostle Peter addresses this directly to the strangers. Now, we, we know from history that the Jews were, in fact, strangers. They had been scattered about through the dispersion by Babylon and by Assyria. And many of these were out in the outskirts of areas like Turkey. And that's all these places that we just pronounced some of these hard-to-pronounce names, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia. These are areas of Turkey where the Jews were living. And the Apostle Peter is writing to them and addressed them as strangers, those who were not the local people. Do you know what we mean by this expression, the, the local people? Here in America, we have such a mix. I mean, among us, we might have Italians and Germans and... Asians and South Americans, Mexicans, and we're all just one people. We're Americans. Uh, but this, this term, strangers and, and pilgrims, is something that I want to look at and, and bring out to our attention. 
It is used here in the scripture in two places. Actually, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And then again in Hebrews 11, verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, Brother Jonathan had asked that we preach a doctrinal sermon, and I want to confess to you that I was a little scared. I've preached many times before, but I was a little worried, and I, I wrote several outlines, and I threw them in the trash can, and, and then I started over, and I had written most of this outline, and I was concerned because he sent a final email and reminding us that he wanted a doctrinal sermon. And because it's only mentioned, strangers and pilgrims only address like that twice in the scripture, I was a little concerned. But I'm comforted by the fact that our doctrine of predestination is mentioned three times in the scripture, but it's a very important doctrine, isn't it? Right. It's coupled along with election, and it is something that we hold dear. We love it. Now, I want to uh, uh, put before you this morning, again, I keep saying this morning, this afternoon now, strangers and pilgrims. And I hope that by the end of the 45 minutes, Lord willing, that you will love this doctrine also and that it will, it will bear heavy upon your consciousness and give you some fodder for your medica meditation. Amen. Medication. <laughs> Maybe a little jittery, but not really. Let's look at this word strangers. What does that mean? It means literally to live beside, but not a part of. Temporary residence. A stranger. Somebody that lives in that area, but is not really a part of it. They're a foreigner. They live in a place where one is not able to enjoy all the benefits of locals and citizens. A stranger. Someone, again, they're a foreigner to that area. Now, Many of you know I was a stranger in Malaysia. And the fact that I was a stranger in Malaysia was obvious to all the local people there. <laughs> Every time in 13 years that I went out with my family, we were strangers. They noticed us. It was very obvious. I carried a different passport. Of course, over there, I looked very different. We had blonde hair, blue eyes, and they have dark hair and, and dark eyes. And so we were strangers. We were foreigners. We were pilgrims in that land, and everyone knew it. But this is the meaning of strangers. Now, the thing about strangers is when you travel, you begin to realize that not everybody thinks about life. They don't have the same worldview. They don't have the same taste of food. They don't have the same ideas that you have. And so those that do share those same desires or ideas or preferences tend to gather together among themselves. And so there will be communities of people overseas who are the American community, the British community. Even here in America, you'll have Chinatowns. You'll have Little Indias. You go to some of the big cities and they will have Koreatown or whatever. Why? Because People want to hold to what they know. They want to hold to their preferences, their cultures, their likes, their dislikes, and they want to be around others who 
also like those things. And so are you grateful for an outpost that we have, the people of the kingdom of God? We have an outpost called the church where we can gather who all have the same preferences, same desires, same interest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we share that and we come together because we want to be sheltered from the things of this world and be around those who have like precious faith. And what a wonderful thing it is. That's what we mean when we say strangers. That is the... Again, difference, differences of opinions, of language, of food, desires, customs, and worldviews. This is a stranger. When you're among those who have differences in those things. A pilgrim, same basic meaning. It's a sojourner, one who takes up temporary residence but has no plans to stay. This world is not our home. Amen. We're just passing through. Now, the thing about a pilgrim is he does not try to fit in, but rather maintains the customs, traditions, and ways of his homeland or where he is from. He will do everything within his power to do those things that his mama taught him, not to do those things that he is in among the people who he's with. Now... (laughs) When you go overseas, there's lots of things that are different. Anywhere you go, you just cross the border down into Mexico, you'll find things that are very different. And some we here like to teach our children to be very disciplined. And we like to have certain things that this is how we do it. And when I got to Malaysia, you know, my mother was very meticulous in teaching me to eat with a fork. Well, Malaysians don't necessarily always eat with a fork. They like to eat with their hand. And so if you're just passing through the land, well, there's no time to to change. There's no need or desire to change that. We just find a fork somewhere, buy a plastic fork, and and we eat because that's what we're comfortable with and that's what we're taught. And even if you did try and stick your fingers in the rice, then you hear those words, your mother slapping you on the back of the head and saying, eat with a fork. That's that's proper. It's not proper to eat with your hands. So, again, I'm trying to lay out to you the distinction of words here, strangers and pilgrims. There's, diff- there's different. When you're a stranger and a pilgrim, you're different than the people round about you. Right. You're not the same. They're, everything about them and you, well, there might be some similarities, but overall, you're passing through that land. You're not part of them. You are different. You have a different homeland different desires. So the question then is, how are we strangers and pilgrims? Why are we strangers and pilgrims? Why would Christians be strangers and pilgrims? Why would this be the case? Well, it's very simple. Says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Again, these were literally strangers there. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, elect. Let's just pause here a a moment and talk about this doctrine of election. They're elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Why would anybody be a stranger and pilgrim? Why would we be different? Why would we get heaven as our home when there are multitudes of people of all flavors and varieties and interests and desires? Why would Christians be 
favored with heaven as our destination. Why? Grace? Simply by that. God is not moved by any motive or condition in the person chosen. This is the election. We can't persuade him to adopt us or to make us his sons. We can't say, you know, if you're a Malaysian, you can work your way and become a U.S. citizen. We've had some here that are working on it, right? But not so with the kingdom of God. We, it's not possible. It is by grace only. God did not choose us because of our character, prayers, or pleadings, or any of our work. Anything that we do or wanted to do, it had nothing to do with his choice. For his choice, we know, was made before the foundations of the earth. So if it is by grace, if God has chosen us by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. And of course, you know I borrowed those words from Paul in Romans 11, 5 and 6. It is according to the sovereign and unchangeable will of God and not according to the works of men whose works only reveal them as sons of God. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, Ephesians 1.5. And then Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Not of works, but of him that calleth. Right. Romans 9.11. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Amen. Romans 9.16. Right. Now, I know you, you know the doctrine of election extremely well, better than me. Many of you could come up here and preach that doctrine with your blindfolds on, knowing all the passages and all the scriptures, no doubt. We love that doctrine. But this is the reason why any would be strangers and pilgrims, not because they choose to be, right. not because they decide that, well, I'm going to wear only cotton and only this color, and I'm going to keep myself separate. That's not the reason. Not because my father made me dress a certain way or I decided that I wanted to wear my beard a certain way or didn't want to wear my beard a certain way. It has nothing to do with any of it. God chose a people. And he has hand-selected them. He has done it by his own choice and without regard to anything in any one of us. Right. Amen? Again, just making sure we're clear on terms, which I know we are. Now, in order to be a citizen, either you have to immigrate to a place or you have to be born there. Well, we're born again, brethren. Are we not? 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, the next verse down, which we haven't read yet, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's begotten us again. That means we were born again. He brought us to life, gave us a new life. And that's, by, again, by his choice. It was his choosing to make whoever is a stranger and whoever is a pilgrim in this life, it is because he chose them to be so. He chose that. And we were born unto it. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, 
not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We were born again, again, not, not because of our choice, not because of our father or who he was, but by the incorruptible, by Christ, by him, by God. This is how we're born again. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Right. We're his workmanship. It is, again, his choice his design his purpose he did it this way he could have done it a whole different way but it was by his design that he wanted to make it where we lived in a place where we were not like everybody else where we were not to partake of the things that everybody else partakes of it is a distinction that he desired and he made it to be so now one thing that we noticed here in these verses that i just read is that he didn't give us life so that we would remain the same. Did you see that? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So he didn't just make us strangers and pilgrims and leave us that bad and say, well, good riddance, be, just go on your own merry way. But he, he, gave a, he called us unto good works so that we could show forth his praises in this earth. And we could be, by being different, we could honor him and glorify him now he also didn't leave us to ourselves did he but he gave us gave us the word the scriptures Amen. he gave us rules and a guidebook are you are you grateful for that Amen. he didn't leave us only to ourselves to our own to just our own mindsets what we think is good and right or how we would define holy but he's defined it for us Amen. and has told us to come into line with that and so for that i'm I'm very grateful. As it has been said already once this morning, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. It is our guidebook, if you would. Amen. Many tourists will take guidebooks with them and it will show them what is good and what, what, what is recommended for them to partake of and what they should abstain from. Well, the word of God is our guidebook. It shows us what we are to receive and what we are to reject. And we must give all diligence to, to do it. Strangers and pilgrims means that our homeland is heaven. You follow me? If you're a stranger, it means you're from somewhere else. And so if we're strangers and pilgrims in this world, then well, what is our homeland and what is our, where are we from? Heaven. That's where we're destined for. That's where we're headed. All of us want to go there. We are legally strangers via adoption. We read Ephesians 1.5 earlier. We are legally strangers via adoption because our father adopted us. He adopted us out of the race of Adam, out of the, the, the mire of the human race and he called us as his own what a wonderful doctrine is the doctrine of adoption but this is why we're strangers and pilgrims because he's as our father adopted us we are in the world but we are not of it john 17 14 says i have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as i am not of the world 
So we, we know from these passages that God's people are not of the world. They're different. They're not of, the world is not to be our home. It is not to be our place of resting. Right. Now on the flip side of that, and I enjoy this, the people of this world are not citizens of heaven. Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now Ephesians 2.19 is a glorious passage for us Gentiles, is it not? To remind us, because you you had the Jews and you had the, the Gentiles, and the Jews were the preferred people. But Paul declared, hey, you've been made fellow citizens with the saints. You who sometimes were far off. You've been made it, but so in general, the Gentiles of the world are not citizens of heaven. And man, if this doesn't excite you, why are you a citizen of heaven? Why why do you have such a privilege? Because you decided to be? You decided to follow Jesus? You chose it? You decided one day that, well, this is, I think I like these people. They're polite. They're, they're, they're. They're, they're helpful. I think it'd be a good place to raise my family. Oh, whoa, if that is you. The kingdom of God is a precious thing. It is a wonderful, wonderful privilege. And the people of this world do not have that privilege. They're not citizens there. Now, our father is from there. If your father is from somewhere, that's generally where you're going to be from. Typically speaking, Hebrews eleven sixteen says this, but now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared to, for them a city. Amen. John three one says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Now, we, we've said that strangers and pilgrims have their own customs and their own ways. The world can't accept those customs. They can't accept those ways. They think we're crazy. You're getting, gathering together on a Sunday morning to discuss the words of a guy who supposedly lived and died 2,000 years ago? You're going to do that and you're going to follow? That doesn't make a lick of sense. Doesn't Peter call us somewhere... A chosen, a royal, a peculiar people. That's the word I was looking for. Peculiar people. You know, that particular verse I've heard several of you quote it this morning. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, this we might say is the corporate identity of the church, the people of God. If that is the corporate identity of the church, then strangers and pilgrims is your individual identity. Right. It is who you are as an individual. You are a stranger and pilgrim in this life. Now, we, we have some examples in the scripture of those who were called strangers and pilgrims. And one of the ones that we all know is Abraham and Maybe some of you read it last night there in Hebrews 11. But it says in Genesis 23, 4 that 
of Abraham, he says, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Now, many of you know the background behind this text that Abraham had been living in Canaan for many years. Sarah was dead. That means they'd been there, what, somebody help me, 30 years? He'd been living among those people and he's calling himself a stranger and a pilgrim, a sojourner in that land. And he'd already been there for decades, raised children there. Now he's burying, he's lived there long enough to even bury his wife there. But he's a stranger. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10 give a little commentary on that and say, By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he wasn't looking for Canaan land to be his home. He was looking for that city above. Now, one thing about Abraham I like, and this is free. I just thought I'd throw it in there. But we were reading as a family the other day and came across this passage in Genesis 20 and verse 11. It says, And Abraham, whenever he was sojourning in the land of Gerar, it says, And Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. He's sojourning, and he told his wife, Sarah, you all know the story. Hey, tell him you're my sister. Just because I think these men don't fear God. They're a bunch of wicked wretches, and they're going to steal you from me, possibly kill me. Now, what made him think that? Exactly. (laughs) But the point is that he recognized it, and he knew it. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Very, very helpful to me. It's obvious. The point that I'm trying to make to you and press home is strangers and pilgrims, they're different. They recognize that the people they're among are not like them. Have you noticed? Have you recognized that? When, when did you first recognize, I, hey, I'm not like them? It didn't, it didn't take a long time whenever you really latch hold of the word of God and it starts taking effect in your life. Right. And the zeal, you run out and you go to share with somebody and you realize very quickly that oh, they're don't have the same they some some just not quite right Uh just don't have that and so then strangers and pilgrims means that we conduct ourselves in that place or here in accordance with where we're from right we're strangers and pilgrims we are strangers in character practically so we're strangers and pil- we're strangers legally by adoptions, but we're also strangers in character practically. Why? Because we want to follow the Lord. We want to do His bidding. We want to do what He has said. Amen. Down further in First Peter verse seventeen, it says, "And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear." Now, that word sojourning, again, it's, a, it's I, wish I, I wish I had a little more time to go over the book of 1 Peter in more detail and use, come up with all the terms that relate to strangers and pilgrims, such as gird up the loins of your mind. When you, when you gird up, you know, the guys wore the long outfits that would tie it up to be ready, you know, be ready for, for movement, right? 
that's a stranger and a pilgrim. You're always on the move. You're ready to, to get on. And so that thought is weaved throughout the book of First Peter, and, and I enjoy it. I have a, a, a more simple mind to enjoy that kind of thing. But we are to live our lives in fear, it says. Sojourn here in fear because God will judge. And we've been made, it's, the truth has been made known to us yes. that the things of this world are not for you. You're to be different. Here's, the, here's your rules. Now, now live it. Philippians 3, 17 to 20, a passage that we're all very familiar with. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. From this, we, we have belly worshipers, Right? Brother Johnson loves that expression and has taught us all that well, and I, I'm appreciative of it. But belly worshipers are what? Those who mind earthly things. Those who just follow their own lusts and passions and have no regard for the Lord. They're enemies of the cross of Christ, Paul says. So then what are strangers and pilgrims? They're not to mind earthly things. They are, their mind is where they're from. We, our affections are to be set in heaven where Christ is. Not on the things of this earth. Not to be there. Their end is destruction. What is our end? Heaven. And this we need to remember and so live in fear. As it says, we mind heavenly things, not earthly things. That is our homeland and we need to know more about it. This is why we've gathered this, more, this day, right? To remind ourselves out the world out there that's not what we want to conform to that's not what we want to be like it's this and to constantly provoke one another on towards love and good works and not only that but we also know that the scriptures and also in philippians 2 14 and 15 says do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. There's a distinction between the characters of the righteous and those who are not righteous, the unrighteous. There's a distinction made. It is, it is natural man to murmur and complain, to dispute, but it is not natural to not do it, right? And so for us, the, the instructions are given that we're to do all things without murmurings, complainings. Why? Because everybody else is doing it. We just don't be like everybody else. You're a stranger and a pilgrim. That's right. Anyway, am I making the point home? Lord, help me. Not only that, but in, there's, it's, the scripture says, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Not, 
as opposed to the world. He doesn't look upon with favor the world, but the righteous and those who obey him, he does. And so that should drive us on to strive to walk in fear, to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That way his countenance will be upon us. We want to please our Father, not ourselves. So you see, the, the, the world would say, just please yourself, brother. Don't waste time. Nobody's going to help you. Be your own God. Be your own boss. Do, do, do it yourself. Nobody's going to do it. You're going to have to help yourself. You think bowing on your knees and praying is going to help anything? That's what they say. That's how they think. But we, we know that God will hear our prayers. Amen. He will hear the cries of the humble and the pitiful. He'll hear us. We pray to him. We cry to him because he will hear us. And, we, and we're thankful for that. Now, another thing about a stranger is that he will stand out because of his culture and way of living. Now, we've hinted at that already. A stranger should not conform. We have a different standard. What is our standard? The Bible, the scriptures. As we mentioned, it is our guidebook. It shows what we can enjoy of this world and what we are to abstain from in this world. If we will just follow it, we'll have, we'll, we'll have peace here in this life. We'll have happiness. Why? Because he's promised it to us. But a stranger will most definitely stand out. As we said, Christians have our own customs that transcend nationality, and they are all defined by Scripture, not preference. Now, when we talk about standards, think about metric versus imperial system or the fact that some might drive on the left or the right. They have different standards and ways of doing things. I'm not going to comment on which one's right or wrong. might have my preference. Obviously, driving on the right side of the road is right. <laughs> but... <laughs> But th there's different standards in different places, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, our standard is the Scripture. Amen. Why? Because we're strangers and pilgrims here in the south. We don't follow the standards of this world. Right. We don't follow what it says, love this or love that. Children, are you hearing me this morning? Are you all listening? We're strangers and pilgrims. Mm -hmm. If you are an elect child of God, God has made you different. He's called you as a stranger. Yeah. The things of this world should, should not interest us. Right. We, should, we should reject them to follow the Lord. Paul said it like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, which, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, mm -hmm. holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Right. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Now, it is hard when you live in a place not to just adapt, not to just follow in place. And there's, again, the scripture tells us there's, there's many things that we, we must do. We have to be. Our pastor teaches to be conventional, right? We know all of those teachings, but what I'm talking about is our characters. Right. We're not to conform. Just because everybody else complains and murmurs and, and has poor work ethic or whatever it may be, 
We're not to do that. Right. Why are we to fit in like that? We should have a higher standard. We should, we should not conform. We should be holy. Just because the world wants to do certain things and please themselves in a certain way does not make it right for us to do so. For example, and we can read it down further in Peter, the world has its ideas about submission to government, marriage, male and female roles, more things. And Peter gives instruction to those strangers and pilgrims on what they're to do because they are strangers and pilgrims. Further down in 1 Peter verses 14 to 16, says this, and it's very similar to what Paul just said in Romans. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Our Father's holy. We're to be like Him, not the world. Again, it, it's almost too simple. This concept of strangers and pilgrims. I love it. And, and I, ho- I pray that later on you'll remind me of these words, and I'll remind you of them for sure. I say them often. Maybe you haven't caught it yet. But it is an expression I like to always put out there, strangers and pilgrims, because it reminds me that we're different. We're to be different. Here it says, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lust. Well, and what, what did the Gentiles do? They just did whatever they wanted. Just whatever, whatever their little merry heart wanted, they went after it and did it. And who's to tell them any different? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Right? But we have a different standard. Our standard is the scripture, and that's what we follow. Now, fashioning there, not fashioning after lust, but after the pattern of Scripture, what does that mean exactly? It means fashion means to shape, right? So we can shape ourselves. We can fashion ourselves. We're not to fashion after the things of the world. So then that on the flip side means we are to fashion ourselves right. after something. We're not, we're strangers and pilgrims. We're not to be like the world. So what is it that shapes us? There are definite things in this life that will shape us. Think about it. I'm just, I'm not going to come in on them any further than just to mention them for your meditations. But what fashions or shapes us? The songs we sing, the books we read, the pleasures we indulge in, the ambitions we entertain, the places we go, the words we speak, the friends we cherish, and our meditations. All of these things will fashion us. And you can generally look at someone and you can see what's fashioned them, what's shaped them, what, where they've got their opinions from, right? Ours are from the scripture. And we should all be of one mind. We should all be saying and acting the same way. It doesn't mean you don't have different preferences over food. Please don't hear me wrongly. You can enjoy whatever food you want to enjoy, and I'll enjoy whatever I want to enjoy. If I want to eat vegetables, I can. <laughs> Romans eight twenty nine says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did 
predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, the reason that we have a, that we would be careful to guard our characters as strangers and pilgrims is because we want to conform to the image of his son, not this world. We, We just read, don't be conformed to this world. Don't fashion yourself after the patterns of this world and after your lust, which you once followed, but rather now be conformed to the image of his son. We, isn't it a glorious image? Amen. Can we ever attain to such? Mm-hmm. We should definitely give it our best go. Yes. We should better try. Mm-hmm. And that is our ambition and that is our effort. And that wild beast, two-armed beast in the back is screaming at me. Clock. Mm-hmm. So I better begin to wrap this up. <laughs> Strangers and pilgrims. The wor- what can I say? The world recognizes that you're different. And guess what might happen? Because you're born of the Spirit, they can't accept that. Can't accept the things of God. We know the passages and usually use it in a certain way. 1 Corinthians 2, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. The things that you hold dear, foolishness to the world. Hear me. Hold them anyway. Over in 1 Peter 4 and verse 4, it says, Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them in the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Have you ever had people speak evil of you just because you wanted to be different? Just because you you didn't want to be different, you just are different. You just didn't want to partake of whatever it was they might have been doing or their conversation or whatever it was. So they think it's strange that you won't run along with them. Don't think it's strange. Rejoice. Peter says in there also, rejoice because they also persecuted your fathers before you. Love it. And we're also reminded in Timothy, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, we've said this many times, and we went through the martyr presentations last year. We suffer Nothing. What persecution you suffer because somebody, somebody won't let you, doesn't want to go out to lunch with you at business or something because you only want to, you know, you don't want to have the same conversations they have or you want to be different? You want to act different? What persecution do you face? Right. What do you really face? Nothing. But, 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 if they will speak speak against us so be it bring it on right bring it on why because the scripture tells me it would happen that they should reject me for him's sake not because i'm a fool not because i'm not gracious with my words or any of those things that's my own foolishness but for the sake of christ so be it bring it on now Again, just to close this out, I've already surpassed my time. Strangers and pilgrims. We're strangers and pilgrims because God bought us by the precious blood of Christ. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by Christ himself. We read that in 1 Peter. And so because of that, because of what he has done, beloved, 
You love that word there in First Peter? Beloved, now you do this. You're, you're different. You're to act different. Your characters be different. You're to conform yourself differently because he has called you. And so let it be a favorite doctrine, I pray, of yours also. Strangers and pilgrims, leave it with that. Brother Eric.